it's Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 82 of Curry in the Pot. I'm back again, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back in the studio with another episode. But if you missed last week's episode, episode number 81, it was a nice little episode. Talked a little Sweet 16 action. Talked some other news. But if you missed episode number 80, the episode before that, I had former Georgetown standout, Mr. Mark Tillman. He came through. He dropped some gems. He talked about playing alongside the legendary head coach, John Thompson. And if you missed episode number 77 with Chris Adoyachim, DC United's own, he came through. He discussed his fight with stage two Hodgkin's lymphoma. And we had a great conversation. And he even stuck around after the episode to talk a little NBA and a little NFL with me. But without further ado, I have a very special guest on the line. And wow, it is definitely an honor. But here we go, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the line, I have... Wow, this is this is such an honor. But on the line, I have former All Met. I have former Damatha alumni. I have former Maryland Terp alumni. I have former NBA player, former overseas player, and now current college basketball analyst, Mr. Adrian Branch. Adrian, welcome to the show. All right, thanks for having me, Michael. Uh, no problem, no problem. So. I want to wanna get right into it, and I want to talk NCAA tournament. Obviously, we got the Final Four coming up this weekend. So what are your thoughts about the Final Four, the last couple of teams remaining? What do you think? You know, I think it's interesting where I think it's a fair fight, uh, uh, meaning that all four teams uh, should have the right to believe they can win a national championship. Uh, Michigan State should believe they have the right with their point guard, they got probably the best point guard in the tournament. First team All-American, mm-hmm. uh, Texas Tech, is was building on. They were very good last year. They went to Elite Eight, and now they're hungry to go one more step to a Final Four, which they've done that. And they're a solid team, as well as Virginia. Uh, I'm putting my money on Virginia from the standpoint, I said before the tournament, that they had a historic loss last year. First yep. time ever, uh, uh, one losing to a 16. And lo and behold, look, they're having a magical year. And so why not ride it out? Um, and the last team, who the heck is our last team? Uh, Auburn. Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's that's interesting as heck to me because Chuck Person's going to jail and his team's going to a Final Four. So if there's one villain, I would say it's Auburn. Come on, man. Come on, you got an assistant coach that's in jail and his other boys are winning, uh, in position to win a national championship. That's crazy, isn't it? So, uh, so how, how was your bracket? Did you do a bracket this year? Um, loosely, the team that I really had going to a Final Four, I had Gonzaga going to a Final Four, and I had Nevada. Uh, Nevada went to Elite Eight last year, just like Texas Tech. Yeah, the same thing of- as me. I had Nevada yeah. making a deep run this year. Yeah, and when you get a team that's hungry and all the seniors and upperclassmen are coming back, uh, good things that usually happen or likely to happen. However, they're, they're, uh, one player, Jordan Caroline, the other leading scorer outside of the two Martin twins, got hurt in an Achilles late in the year. So they weren't the same team as they were earlier in the season. But that was my one team, and Gonzaga was the other one. The team that really would feel sick and heartbroken is Tennessee. 
mm-hmm. because oh no 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 now let's go back. You think about this, Michael. Uh, Duke Duke won on two nail biters. They beat Johnny Dawkins mm-hmm. and UCF, and the uh, other team was who was the other team they beat on the heartbreaker? Uh, uh, Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah, Virginia Tech. <laughs> so so between Virginia Tech, uh, between Virginia Tech, uh, Central Florida, uh, these teams in Tennessee. Because there was one scratcher that, uh, what was it, a Klein or something, had the game of his life for Purdue and shot them out and didn't show up uh, yeah, against, yep. in the next game. So it's games like those where you feel heartbroken for those teams. A hundred percent. I felt heartbroken for my bracket as well. Yeah. So uh, any big surprises to you in the tournament? I mean, Auburn has been a pleasant surprise. I watched them in the SEC championship, and I was like, wow, they shoot a lot of threes. And I thought eventually they were going to die by the three, but they're still living. Yeah, you, you know, what's interesting. Uh, when you take out the baggage of Bruce Pearl, you mm-hmm. take out uh, because as one veteran coach said, he said, if you go in a, in a white glove, on all the programs, you're going to get some smudge. You're going to get some dirt. Yep. So having said that, uh, removing the chaos from Bruce Pearl, he's a heck of a coach. He mm-hmm. was doing it at Tennessee when they were making historic runs, uh, consistent sweet 16s, and they were uh, vying for SEC championships, what, about 10 or 12 years ago. So outside of the character flaw that Trouble always seems to find that dude, He's a heck of a coach, and his team plays hard for him. They do compete. They shoot three-pointers. They're not the biggest team, but they play well as a team. A hundred percent. I totally agree with you. So I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about you. So you played at Maryland from 1981 to 1985, and I know you had a couple of Sweet 16 appearances. Could you talk to me real quick about some of your experiences in the tournament? Yeah, our best year was 84, 1984, when we won the ACC championship. That's when Lynn Bias was uh, a sophomore, and he was starting to become uh, Lynn Bias. So mm-hmm. we were we were competitive. We were hungry. We beat Duke and Coach K. That was really his first, the beginnings of his first great teams with Johnny Dawkins, Coach Johnny Dawkins, Jay Billis, and Tommy Amaker. But we didn't want them. We wanted North Carolina. We were sorry that them punks lost. <laughs> we wanted Michael Jordan, Kenny the Jet Smith, and uh, Brad Doherty. They were a great team, but man, we were chomping at the bit to whip their tail. And if I wasn't a man of God, I'd be saying something stronger than that. But <laughs> I'm 55, so let me leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So speaking of Lynn Bias, I had another question to ask you, and you know, you guys played on the same team for three years. So I just wanted you to talk about, you know, what was it like playing with the late great Lynn Bias and also off the court with the late great Lynn Bias? Yeah, that was my man. He, I lived in Seat Pleasant in Largo, and he lived in Columbia Park. So mm-hmm. his freshman year was my sophomore year, and I would pick him up on Sundays because freshmen really couldn't have cars on campus at the time. So uh, after uh, the freshman, his freshman year, I'd have Sunday dinner at my house and he, Mrs. Bias and Mr. Bias, and I'd come by and scoop him up and we'd ride up to campus. Uh, Lenny was a heck of a competitor. Uh, in fact, I went to St. Margaret's, the Catholic school, and then I went to the Matha High School. Mm-hmm. But if I went to the neighborhood public school, he and I would have been at Greenbelt Junior High School together. And 
and we would have been in the same junior high school, and then we would have been playing against each other in the public school because my neighborhood went to Bowie, uh, and he went to Northwestern. Right. So we were rivals when he first came to campus, even though he was a year behind me. And I was like, Lynn, look, nobody was really going hardship like that. I was like, we're going to be here for three long years together. <laughs> we're just going to have to get along and, and, and crack some heads. And he was like, bought in and was like, man, that's good. Let's do it. So they were calling us the killer bees, branch and bias. Oh, okay. uh, and, and, and they always say, was, was he as good as Michael Jordan? Well, one thing, Bobby Knight, the great legendary coach that uh, trained up, uh, what was it, uh, Coach K, mm -hmm. he said that the best players he had seen in 1986, he said the best players he had seen in 20 years was uh, Michael Jordan and Lynn Bias. So you could build a case from that. And, and you figure in 20 years, the great David Thompson had played, Magic Johnson had played, Larry Bird had played. So he's probably saying he's, he was the greatest basketball player he's seen since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he was a leaper, 6'8 strong, didn't have much of a floor game where he was going to go coast to coast and dunk on you. But one or two dribbles, like Dominic Wilkins, and he was going to hurt some feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, great stuff, great stuff. So I got one more question, and it's funny that you brought up Magic Johnson. Your former teammate uh, on that 87 championship team, I've been very critical of everything that's been going on with the Lakers and Magic Johnson, but do you think Magic Johnson will get it right with the Los Angeles Lakers? You know what, Michael, that's a fair statement. Uh, it's just like the Final Four. I'll, 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 I'll compare it to the Final Four where somebody would say, Texas Tech is going to win, Michigan State is going to win, Auburn's going to win. Virginia's going to win. And you don't sound crazy. You're not out of place because this is a balanced Final Four, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So to that point, yeah, Magic is going to have his critics, and that's my guy. I want a championship with him. I'm, I'm in his corner to produce. But I will say that those murmurings are not out of place until you see some positive production because – when he was a head coach that didn't work mm -hmm. and now his first year as the GM it didn't work so the criticism I don't think is unjust uh, you just gotta take care of business so I, I don't think that's out of place with what you're saying okay yeah I think well I have faith because I'm a, I'm a big time Lakers fan and I do have faith that you know Magic will get it right my dad keeps telling me Magic is gonna get it right because Magic did say he needs two years to, to get this thing going. Sure, sure. And, and, and I'm 100%. I'm, I'm in agreement where it's like, hey, I'm looking for every reason that the glass is half full instead mm -hmm. of being half empty. Uh, they were injured. LeBron does need another superstar uh, in the form of a Paul George, in the form of a Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis. Yes, he does need a superstar. Now, think about this. They blew that team up when their feelings got hurt, when everybody thought they were going to get traded for uh -huh. that Anthony Davis team. So that was that was a debacle. And New Orleans wasn't right, and uh, the Lakers weren't right since then. The year was a wash, then LeBron got hurt. So mm -hmm. they've got to start from ground zero again. But I'm going to believe that the glass is half full. And then think about this as well, Michael. Uh, Take a page out of what John Calipari said at Kentucky. He said, hey, this is Kentucky. This is the winningest program in the history of uh, college basketball. We can't hide you at Kentucky. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with the Lakers. The Lakers and the Celtics are the all-time winningest programs with uh, all-time championship wins. Yep. You can't hide on the stage in L.A. You got to either uh, tee off for show and putt for dough, mildew <laughs> or barbecue, bro. You can't hide. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got, you, you're right. You got some great points. One last thing. Uh, my dad told me, he. I think he came out of high school the year before or the year after you, but he told me, that you were the first person he ever saw throw a self alley oop in a game. He, he told me that. <laughs> oh man, you know what? That was against McNamara, Demathe McNamara, uh, nineteen eighty one, uh-huh. um, and went down on the fast break. And it was late in the game; they were getting ready to shut me out. In fact, I didn't start that game, so I had a bone to pick with Coach Morgan Wooten. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was, a, I was, a, I was hard, man. I was, a, I was, a, I was a real headache. Uh, and and so I said, man, I'm going to show this dude. So it was a two-on-one and got to the free throw line and surprised those jokers by throwing the ball off the backboard, catching and dunking it. Uh, Todd, uh, Todd Bozeman was, was that, that was the year Todd Bozeman was at that game. So okay. he was a McNamara dude. But George Michael Sports ran that thing over and over and over. And so they called it the high school dunk of the year. And Man, it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, Mr. Branch. I thank you so much for your time and all your great stories, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Well, keep up the good work, brother, and, and congratulations for what you're doing. A man's gifts make room for him, so when you got talent, your talent makes room for you. Thank you, thank you so much. You have a blessed one. All right, you too. Wow, guys, I'm feeling very inspired after Adrian Branch coming on. And shout out to Mr. Xavier Red is a good friend of me and my dad who helped set that up. He he also helped set up the Mark Tillman interview. So shout out to Mr. Xavier Red. I know you're tuning in. I really appreciate that. And now let's move right along. So we got the final four to discuss. And we all know the final four is set. The stage is set. We got Virginia and Auburn is the first game on Saturday. And the second game is going to be Michigan State and Texas Tech. I see you in the comments, Rob. I see you. Uh, But, yeah. And it's crazy. Speaking of Duke, as Rob just mentioned in the little comments section. Yeah, Duke, Duke let us all down, Lex. They let us all down, unfortunately. They let me down. But the thing is about Duke, I, I had my questions. I had my doubts about him because it's a, it was a, a team that was stacked with freshmen. Of course, Zion. Of course, R.J. Barrett, who I have you know mixed feelings about. Cam Reddish, of course, and Trey Jones. And you know, I always have my doubts about teams that have a loaded freshman class because in the tournament is where you need experience. And also, what Duke lacked in the tournament was shooting. And that was also their downfall. So, inexperience and shooting. And didn't have that veteran as, you know, like the 2015 team had. They had Quinn Cook, who was a senior. And uh, he was the veteran. They also had Matt Jones. And you also had those talented freshmen, Tyus Jones that year, Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow as well. So, and Grayson Allen was a freshman that year too. But he came off the bench. But... You got to look at it as like you need you need the right ingredients to have a good championship team in college basketball. You need 
Like I just said, upperclassmen. You look at who's left. Michigan State, they have tremendous point guard, Cassius Winston, who's a junior. He's been balling out all season long and in the tournament. Virginia always has a lot of upperclassmen. Auburn, they have upperclassmen as well. And not to mention Texas Tech. They're bringing back almost the same team they had last year when they made the Elite Eight. And you see they made it to the Final Four this year. So... I don't really know. A lot of people are saying this is a boring Final Four. Me personally, I guess you could say so because Duke's not in it. But I kind of had a feeling Duke wouldn't get, wouldn't make it all the way to the championship. I kind of had a feeling. But I think I would like to see. I think the best matchup would be Virginia Michigan State. But I want to see. I want to see Virginia Texas Tech. I don't know why, but I want to see Texas Tech. I like the way they've been playing. I watched their last game. Kind of slept on them. Kind of slept on them. I don't know why they made the league last year, but, you know, the tournament could be kind of fluke. But I like, I would like to see Virginia Michigan State. I think Virginia Michigan State would be the best matchup as far as, like, blue blood programs. But I, I kind of want to see something a little different. So, And it's crazy for Virginia to be on the wrong side of history last year. Where they lost to UMBC, we all saw that. And, uh, no, shout out to Jarris Lyles, man. Y'all missed episode 49, y'all can go check that out. But they lost to UMBC last year. The first one seed to lose to a 16 seed. They won the wrong side of history last year. Now, they have a chance to redeem themselves. Redemption is on their mind. So, I guess it would be a great feel-good story for them to win. But uh, you got to also look at Auburn and Texas Tech, two teams that not a lot of people predicted to be here. I definitely didn't. So, you know, you know, good for them. Good for them. Shout out to all these teams for making it to the Final Four. I did not have this at all in my bracket. I don't think I had a single one of these teams making it to the Final Four. If any of you guys did in the comments, let me know. I, I know some people probably have Virginia, but I, I didn't have any of these teams in the Final Four. I had Nevada and Tennessee making a deep run, but that didn't materialize. So I want to move on. I want to switch gears. And I want to talk NBA. And um, I want to talk last night, Russell Westbrook, with an historic game, 20, 20, and 21. And after the game, he said he did it for Nipsey Hussle. Rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Long live Nipsey Hussle. I'm actually dedicating... Episode 82 to Nipsey Hussle. It's, it's been on a lot of people's hearts. And it's been on my heart ever since, you know, the tragedy occurred. And, um, oh, that's another reason to root for Texas Tech. Because uh, Texas Tech, their Elite Eight game was in Anaheim. And Nipsey Hussle happened to be there. And he was cheering on Texas Tech. So that's another reason for people to root for Texas Tech, man. But I want to talk Russell Westbrook and what he did last night. It was the second ever 2020 game, and that occurred, the, the, la- the only time it occurred was in 1968. Now, to put that into perspective, my dad was four years old and my mom was two years old. So, that's a long damn time ago. But, not only was, I mean, alright, we could say this. It was against the, the woeful Lakers, the banged up, injury-riddled Lakers. I think Rajon Rondo and JaVale McGee were like the best players the Lakers had on the floor last night. But that's not the point. The point is, to do 20, 20, and 20, and I know a lot of people 
give Russell Westbrook a bad rap about stat padding. But stat padding or not, to get 20, 20, and 20 in a game is very impressive. Because you had to do something right. You couldn't stat pad that the entire game. You had to do something right. So, shouts out to Russell Westbrook for a historic performance. And, you know, obviously he's going to average a triple-double for a third straight year, which has never been done. And, you know, Russell Westbrook is a real one for that. He really is. Uh, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. They were good friends. And, you know, like I said, shout out to Russell Westbrook. Now I want to move on to another NBA topic. And that is Wizards fans rejoice. <laughs> Wizards fans rejoice. The Washington Wizards. I got to cue that Stephen A. soundbite too. The Washington Wizards finally fired Ernie Grunfield. They finally did it. Something I never thought would be done. And it was it was way it was way overdue. And I also want to put this into perspective of why it was way overdue. Ernie Grunfield, in his tenure with the Wizards as president of basketball operations, he was hired back in 2003, and he did a lot of good stuff early on, signing Gilbert Arenas, getting Antoine Jameson, Karan Butler, and we all know that 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 team was good, that nucleus was good, but it never really materialized. They kept running into Cleveland for multiple years, you know, young LeBron, and they were also injured. Gilbert Arenas also had a ton of injuries, knee injuries. That's what really messed up his career. But what has Ernie Grunfeld really done since then? Obviously, he hit on the John Wall pick, but that was way down the line in 2010. He hit on Bradley Beal. But what about these other drafts? What about these other drafts? So let's hop right into it. I want to talk about a few drafts. And the first one I want to talk about is... Where is it at? 2008. Well, so I could talk 2007 first. 2007, the Wizards drafted Nick Young, but they had like the 17th pick. They were in the middle of the pack, but there also weren't really too many guys after Nick Young that I could have said, oh, they should have drafted him. But that's just how it happened to be. So then the following year was JaVale McGee. And we all know about JaVale McGee, who has matured as a person and a player now. You know, he's on the Lakers now, but he also matured when he got to Golden State. He had a bunch of Shaq in the full moments with the Wizards and with the Nuggets. But he's definitely matured, and I'm proud of JaVale. But at the time, I can't say it was a bad pick, but guys after that in the draft were Serge Ibaka, Nicholas Batum, George Hill, and DeAndre Jordan. It's a bunch of, you know, solid pieces after JaVale McGee in that draft. Moving on to the 2009 draft, where a lot of people are are really, really critical of Ernie Grunfield and and how terrible he was as an executive. In 2009, I know many of you guys remember this. This was the draft where Blake Griffin was the number one pick. James Harden was the number three pick. Tyreek Evans was the number four pick. And this was also the same year Steph Curry was drafted. DeMar DeRozan was drafted. And in this draft, the Wizards... Had the fifth pick, they possessed the fifth pick in the draft, and they traded it to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who did not hit on this pick as well. 
They traded this pick to the Timberwolves for Randy Foy and Mike Miller. Now, don't get me wrong. Randy Foy, Mike Miller, they were solid players. But not only did they do that, but they only were on the team for that one season. And obviously, we know Steph Curry was the seventh pick in the draft. They could have had Steph Curry. DeMar DeRozan was the ninth pick in the draft. They could have had DeMar DeRozan. Also, solid players in that draft include Drew Holiday, Jeff Teague, just to name a few other guys. So, you can make a pretty good case that Ernie Grunfield should have been fired in 2009 or even 2008. So, he wouldn't even have made a decision like that. And then I want to fast forward to another awful draft, which was the 2011 draft. And this draft, this was the draft Kyrie Irving went number one. But the Wizards had two first-round picks in this draft. Not one, but two. And with the sixth pick in the 2011 draft, the Wizards selected Jan Vesely. Now, to my casual sports fans, I don't even know who Jan Vesely is. But if you know the NBA, you know sports, you remember when the Wizards selected Jan Vesely. And people were saying at the time where he got drafted that Jan Vesely was like the Blake Griffin of the Czech Republic. And from the highlights, it appeared to be. But you got to remember with these overseas players, they can easily be Darko Milicic, Jan Vesely. Or they could turn out and pan out to be Kristaps Porzingis, Dirk Nowitzki. But it's a very risky game when you draft international players. Or even, you know, good players like Pau Gasol, Marc Gasol. It's really, a, it's really a hard call. And also in this draft were guys such as Kimba Walker. But don't, don't forget the Wizards drafted John Wall the year before. Klay Thompson was in this draft. Klay Thompson was in this draft. Kawhi Leonard was also in this draft. Nikola Vucevic was in this draft. Tobias Harris. And oh, by the way, the Wizards had the 18th pick in this draft, and they drafted Chris Singleton. Chris Singleton. I don't even, I don't even know what he's doing. I don't know what Chris Singleton is doing, but obviously he's not in the NBA anymore. So after Chris Singleton... Guys like Tobias Harris came off the board. Kenneth Faree, Nikola Miritich, Reggie Jackson, Jimmy Butler. A lot of pieces. So, I guess right here you can make the argument that, damn, the Wizards could have fired Ernie Grunfield after this draft. After this draft, because a lot of these players that I just named have panned out. And, wow. Wow. It's crazy. Jan Vesely and Chris Singleton. I think Chris Singleton is the worst because Jan Vesely is balling out over. He's balling out overseas. And to sum it all up, Ernie Grunfield had a uh, had a record of 568 and 724, winning with the Wizards only winning 43% of those games. Oh, well, by the way, let me, I'm sorry, guys. I'm all over the place. But Ernie Grunfield also traded away Kelly Oubre. <laughs> and my boy Jalen just tuned in on IG Live. Shout out to Jalen. The Wizards traded Kelly Oubre. And not to mention the outrageous re-signing of Otto Porter happened under the watch of Ernie Grunfield. So it's just crazy. Ernie Grunfield never made the Eastern Conference Finals. The Wizards never had a 
51 season while Ernie Grunfield was the coach. I mean, I'm sorry, was the executive. And they never made the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's sad. I'm I'm really happy for Wizards fans. Not a Wizards fan. I know I go to you know a good amount of their games, but if you're a Wizards fan, I know you're rejoicing. Hopefully, Ted Leonsis and the rest of the Wizards front office make the right decision in hiring the next GM. Because I personally think they should hire somebody from the Spurs organization because the Spurs have a well-run organization or Golden State's organization. Obviously, they have a well-run organization. Or even the Celtics organization because they make really good moves. They make really good trades. Danny Ainge, etc., etc. Somebody from one of those organizations or even the Rockets organization, Daryl Morey has been making aggressive moves, you know, with the Chris Paul and even James Harden and, you know, good finds like Clint Capella, etc., etc. So if they get a GM from one of those GM trees or front office trees, I think that would... I think that would be really beneficial to the Wizards, and I think that would be really good moving forward. Want to switch gears? Hope I didn't miss anything. Want to switch gears over to the NFL? And yesterday we saw Odell Beckham Jr., my guy Godell, get introduced as a member of the Cleveland Browns. And it's crazy. It's really surreal to hear that press conference. And to hear the stuff that Odell and Jarvis Landry were saying because they envisioned this. This is something they wanted to do. They wanted to play together. They went to LSU together. They, they were friends growing up. And it's it's crazy that they're now in the Cleveland Browns together. And I think it's great. I think it's a great fit. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the free agent special, the offseason special. And I talked about how Odell to the Browns is a great move. I don't really think chemistry would be too much of an issue. I mean, there is only one football, but you need talent to win. And, you know, Baker Mayfield needed more weapons besides Jarvis Landry. And Nick Chubb, who who had a really good rookie season. And they also got Kareem Hunt, who has an eight-game suspension. But when they get him back, still got Nick Chubb, got Odell, got David Njoku, got Jarvis Landry, as I just mentioned. And then you got the Young Hungry defense, and that's going to be really good. But I wanted to talk about two trades that uh, happened one happened after I released episode 81, and one happened the next day. And that was Jordan Howard getting traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that's a really good move for the Eagles because I was saying that the Eagles, what am I about to say? The Eagles, they were having a really good offseason, getting Malik Jackson, also getting Deshaun Jackson back. And I was telling somebody that I know at the bowling alley, I was saying he's a big Eagles fan. I said, the Eagles need a running back because they let Jay Ajayi walk and he tore his ACL, as we all know. But they need a running back. So I didn't know if they were going to draft one or apparently they made a trade. But I didn't know what was going to happen with that. And they got Jordan Howard, who has been a really good running back. And Jordan Howard, since he entered the league, he only trails Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott for the most rushing yards. And... I always get Jordan Howard in fantasy. Had him all three years. I liked him when he came out of college at Indiana. He was a fifth-round pick. I wanted the Redskins to draft him, but that didn't manifest. But Jordan Howard is a pretty good running back. He kind of got phased out of the Bears' offense last season. Matt Nagy sort of catered the offense to Tariq Cohen, and I guess he sort of didn't fit that scheme. 
but he will work just fine in Philadelphia's scheme. They have a really good offensive line. As I mentioned, the weapons, they already have Carson Wentz, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz. As a Redskins fan and as a guy that loves the NFC East, that's scary. That's scary because now the Redskins have to go up against Saquon Barkley. They have to go up against Ezekiel Elliott and now Jordan Howard, who they're all bell cow running backs. They all run hard and they break a lot of tackles. So that's that's tough. And then we had another trade, which was Robert Quinn getting traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a six round pick. So both of these guys got traded in exchange for a future six round picks. I like the Robert Quinn move. I, I don't like the Cowboys, but I like the move, you know. It's a good pass rusher. He's going to be opposite of Demarcus Lawrence, who needs some help because Demarcus Lawrence, he sees a lot of double teams. And now you have Robert Quinn. If Robert Quinn can regain his form that he had when he was with the, uh, well, the St. Louis Rams, but the LA Rams now, then that'd be really good. If he can, you know, get six to 10 sacks, that helps the Cowboys, you know, defensive line a lot. And we know Randy Gregory is getting suspended. We know David Irving quit football and he quit football on Instagram Live about a month ago. So we know about that. And I think that's a good move. So I definitely covered a lot. Final four is this weekend. I said earlier I would like to see Virginia and I would like to see Virginia and um, who else did I say? Virginia and Texas Tech, but I think the best matchup for college football, I mean basketball period, is Virginia and Michigan State. So I think that's that'll be, both of those would be good matchups, but I mean it's the final four, so it's wide open. And I think all these matchups would be good. And then I talked about, NBA talked about Russell Westbrook, long live Nipsey Hussle, what he did for him last night was incredible. Nothing short of amazing. Then we talked Ernie Grunfield. Then I talked a little NFL. And that's all I got for you guys. I got an exclusive interview for you guys. I can't really release that name yet. But when I drop it tomorrow, you guys will see. But I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody who stopped by on Instagram Live. If you stayed for the whole thing, shout out to you. If you just tuned in and stopped by and commented below, shout out to you. And, you know, if you missed out, you missed out. If you guys like me getting on Instagram live, let me know in the comments or text me. Y'all know me. Y'all DM me. You got my number. But, yeah, just let me know. So, I want to thank you guys for listening one last time. This is Mike Curry signing out. Episode number 82 is done. Peace.